welcome back to Becoming Better Podcast. This is your host, Hope Moquin, and as always, I'm so glad that you chose to tune in right now. I'm feeling extra excited because last week was such a busy week. I was on vacation for my dad's wedding, and so I didn't really have a lot of time to promote last week's episode. But after looking at the analytics, our streams and downloads were pretty average to the previous episodes, which makes me so happy because that means we already have consistent listeners who are going to listen even without it being promoted. And so if that is you, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys and I love all of you and I wish that I could meet all of you. You obviously saw the title of the podcast, but we are going to talk about the hatred of honesty. And I'm going to give you two sides to it. We're going to talk about why we should be honest with our weaknesses and the things that ache us and the things that are hard for us. And then on the flip side, I really want to touch on how it's okay to be honest about the things that you're good at and how to navigate that in a healthy way and not a boastful or a big headed way. Because if you go about that the wrong way, you're going to look like a jerk. And that's just all there is to it. The hatred of honesty. Let's get into it. So I'm going to put myself on blast, and I was watching the show Desperate Housewives um, a little bit ago. I'm saying that because the show is based on these four suburban wives, and that they all need Jesus. None of us should live how they're living. I'm telling that right now. The show is based on these four suburban wives, and one of them has, I think, four or five kids, and she was just having a meltdown because it's very much that whole keeping up with the Joneses. Everyone tries to put their best foot forward. Nobody ever shares about the hard things that they're going through. It's just very much like cookie cutter, picture perfect. And the lady with the four kids, she had a breakdown where she started taking pills and she like ran off to the park by herself and was just beating herself up because she felt like she wasn't a good mom and she felt like everyone else had it together and she just wasn't capable of it. And so she's crying and she's beating herself up in the park. And then two of the other moms, they come and search for her and they come and sit down next to her and they're asking her what's going on. And so she begins to open up that she feels like she's a terrible mom and that she can't do what everyone else does and that she's never going to be as good as them. The part that I'm getting to is that the other two moms who are there, they start being open about their struggles and how they used to cry during their kids' nap time and how they've messed up in this area and they didn't do this right. And the mom of the four kids just starts sobbing and she goes, why didn't you ever tell me this? And that's, she just keeps repeating it. She's like, why wouldn't you tell me this? We have to tell each other this. Why didn't you tell me that you struggled too? Why didn't you tell me that it wasn't easy for you too. I felt like I was so alone. I felt like I was the only one. And as she's sobbing and as she's continuing to cry, she just keeps saying, we need to tell each other these things. It's important that we tell each other these things. And after that, it just got me thinking of, I've said this since I started social media. I've said this since I ever started putting my foot into the world when I was 18, I think, is when I started social media. I'm 25 now. God help me. But my whole motto was you're only as usable as you are honest. And that honesty is the thing that connects people to each other. And that there's no need to be ashamed for the things that we aren't good in. There's no need to be ashamed for the things that we fall short in. There's no need to feel like we have to be perfect because nobody is perfect. And I don't know why that's such a reoccurring struggle in so many of our lives, feeling like we have to be perfect when we know that nobody's perfect. 
When we know that social media is just social media, that everyone puts their best foot forward, we don't have to be like that. And we can be honest. And I know it's not like the best show and it's, I don't condone anything really that goes on in that show. But like she said, like, we have to be honest with each other. We have to tell each other so we don't feel like we're the only ones who are going through those struggles. And I call it the hatred of honesty because for whatever reason, even when we know that we're not the only ones who struggle, it is such a hard thing to do to humble yourself and to admit, I'm really struggling in this area. After a lot of evaluation in my life, I have I have fully recognized that I haven't been as honest as I was in my late teen years. And maybe it's because I'm getting older. And the older you get, the more you feel like you have to have it together. And the older you get, maybe you don't feel like you can make mistakes like you could when you were younger because you should know better. And you should have grown past that and you should be over that. And so maybe it's like the older you get, almost the less human you feel. And I say human because humans are flawed. Humans make mistakes. But in society, it's like the 30-year-old shouldn't be making the same mistakes as the 18-year-old, which there is like some truth to that. But at the end of the day, like you're still going to fall short. That's normal. And you shouldn't be shamed for that. For me personally, when I first started on social media, I don't, I don't even know what was going on in my head. I think I had just got to the point where I had hit rock bottom and I had nothing else to lose. And so my mentality was, well, I have nothing else to lose. So might as well share what the heck I'm going through in hopes of helping somebody else. Because at that point in my life, all my pride was stripped away from me. It was gone. I was living out of my car. I was working three jobs. I had just broke off an engagement. Like this picture perfect thing was not something that was in that chapter of my life. It couldn't be. It was impossible. Started sharing with people all of the things that I was feeling that I felt very hopeless, that I I felt like I had some gifts, but I didn't really think that they were good enough to be used. I felt like I was never going to find love. I felt like I wasn't good enough to be loved. I felt like I was lost at sea and the waves just kept on hitting me and I was never going to find my way out. I felt hopeless. I felt dark. I felt sad. I felt used. There was just every emotion in the book almost. Like that's what I felt. I would share all of that. And I think what really spoke to people that I feel very grateful for because that really this really is like the anthem of my life is that even through all of these emotions I loved God. I really really did. When I got saved, man, it changed my life. It really did and I I get emotional because I know where I was before Jesus stepped in. I was addicted. I was very suicidal. I self-harmed. I couldn't even picture what my life could look like past 18 because I never saw it. I couldn't envision. I was so hurt by the world and I was so saddened and disheartened and depressed. I couldn't even think about what my life could look like the next day, let alone older. I never thought that I would make it because I really thought that the hurt was going to overwhelm me so much that it was going to take me out of this world. I really did. And so when Jesus stepped in, 
it changed everything for me. And it was different for me because I made fun of Christians almost my whole life. My mom was very, very uber spiritual, like almost like the crazy kind where we would go to a different church every weekend. We went to all these Pentecostal churches that were running down the aisles, hitting people over to fall out in the spirit, speaking in tongues, demons, all that kind of stuff. And I, I made fun of Christians a lot. And in my like peak of the really hard times in my life, 13 to 16, 17, I really classified as an atheist. I made fun fun of him. I said, Jesus isn't real. And if God was real, he would never let me go through some of the things that I went through because I had gone through things that nobody should have to go through. At 16, before I dropped out of high school, I was sexually assaulted by three guys at a party that I wasn't even supposed to be at. And I wound up in the hospital and then I dropped out. Like I was just at such a low point. And so when Jesus stepped in and took me out from all of the crap that I was in and truly healed these broken pieces of my life that I tried so hard to heal on my own, I experienced a love that I will never experience anywhere else. Like, I know it sounds weird, especially if you're not a Christian. I know it sounds weird, but like I fell in love with this Jesus guy, with this God who saved me, who gave me a second chance, who breathed life onto everything that was dead. It's like I couldn't see what was ahead. I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror without crying because it was just hatred and sadness. And for a God who made me to give me a new set of eyes to view the world and to view myself and to be able to connect with him, the God of the universe, the God who puts breath in our lungs, that was something that I knew I was never going to let go of. And so I'm saying that when I was 18 and 19 and 20 (laughs) 21 and even 22, my life, it gosh, it seemed like I never could catch a break. It was one thing after the next of being torn down, of being in the very bottom, and just being in the valley. And through it all, I still knew that I loved God. And I had the deep realization that even loving God, even being a Christian, it didn't excuse me from experiencing all of these human things. Being a Christian didn't save me from the troubles of the world. Being a Christian and loving God and even knowing that God was good, it didn't put me in this bubble where I was never going to experience anything wrong, where I was never going to experience hardships. And so when I would share on social media, I would share all of these things that I was going through and all of these emotions that I felt. But at the end of it, I would always tie it back in to how God is still sovereign that even through it all, I knew God to be good. And I know that someone else needed to hear that, that it hurts right now, but God is still good. And we live in a fallen world, so things are going to happen, but that doesn't change the nature and the character of God, that when you call on him, he will run to you. In your weakness, he is strong. And like I finally, I think when I was 22, I really understood the verse in the Bible where it says, count it as joy when you experience trials and tribulations. Is it joyful in the moment? Absolutely freaking not. (laughs) It sucks and it's so heartbreaking. But what those do, what those hard seasons do is they make you get into a position where you cry out to God. They make you have to draw close to God because usually that is the only way you're going to get through it is by the grace of God and seeking him and holding on to his hand. 
And when you do that, you will make it through every single time, every single time. So he says, count it as joy because once you get through it, you now have a story to share. You now have a relatability with other people who are going through it. And you know, we weren't in this world for ourselves. We were in it to make him known and to to share the gospel with people. And like I said, I really think I'm going to mention John Maxwell in majority of my episodes because there is such wisdom in the things that he shares. And one of his famous lines is that people don't connect with you through your success. People connect with you through your weaknesses because they have permission to be able to say, wow, me too. I struggled with that too, and I didn't know that about you. But because I know that you struggled with that, like I feel like I know you a little bit more. And I feel like maybe I can listen to what you have to say a little bit more because I know that you felt what I have felt before. And that's something really beautiful if you think about it. And going back to honesty, I really do think it's so easy to get caught in this cycle of wanting people to think that you don't still struggle. And I dealt with it the most when I transitioned out of my ministry job. After leaving, I felt such an unhealthy weight to prove myself. Truthfully, the transition out of my last um, vocational ministry job was really difficult for me. And there were a lot of things that led up to that decision. There were a lot of hurts that led up to that decision. And there was a lot of hurts and emotions even going through that. And even the aftermath of navigating life, navigating a Christian life outside of a job that I had spent past three and a half years. It's like, what do I even do with myself now? There's so many different thoughts of really feeling like I was never going to make it. (laughs) And like saying all of that stuff out loud, it sounds so silly when you internalize all of your feelings. And I'm not saying that I should have gone on social media and talked about all those things to people. There is a big difference between sharing when you're healing and sharing when you're healed. I don't think you need to be publicly sharing when you're going through the process of healing something that has been hurtful in your life. I think it's extremely wise to be healed and then share. Because when you're in the process of healing, especially when it's something that was very traumatic and a deep wound in your life, I know you might think that you're doing a good thing by sharing those really broken emotions. I think there's a fine line. I think you can let people know that you're hurting, but I think details need to be hidden until you are healed. So you can make sure that what you're sharing is actually going to help somebody be closer to their healing and not keep them in brokenness and woundedness. But the enemy wants you to think that nobody else is feeling the way that you're feeling and that if you do talk about it, people are going to look at you weird and people are going to judge you even more when you're honest. And you know, the unfortunate truth is that some people will. And I think that's what I made myself learn at a younger age is that people are going to judge me. People are going to judge you one way or the other. That's the world that we live in. People are going to talk. People are going to judge. And so you know what? You might as well live your life and try to help people in the process because people are going to talk about you regardless. And so you might as well give them something good to talk about. When you choose to be honest with your human emotions, what you're doing is 
you're creating a safe place for other people. It's almost as if you are putting down a welcome mat in front of you that says, hey, me too. Let's talk about it. Let's not judge each other about it. Let's not laugh at each other about it. Let's be really real with each other and let's talk about these things that we're struggling with. So maybe I have the tools that I can help you with to get through that. But you're never going to know if I even have the tools to help you if I'm never honest about it. You know, I think there's so many people who struggle with things that maybe they shouldn't still be struggling with, but they do because they don't know anyone else who has been struggling with it too. So therefore they feel like they're alone. And that's why there's power in being honest because you know how hard things have been in your life. You know how hard that breakup was. You know how hard that porn addiction was. You know how hard that drug addiction was. You know how hard it was to get alcohol out of your house. You know how hard it was to put healthy boundaries with your mother, with your father. You know how hard that was without abuse. You know how hard it was with mental health. You know how hard it was with depression. You know how hard it was with fill in the blank. And don't you want to be able to give someone else the tools that have helped you overcome it or that have helped you process through it a little bit more, there is power in being honest with the things that we've gone through or the things that we're going through. And that doesn't mean share it with the whole world, but that does mean finding your people to be honest with, the ones that you can trust, the ones that you know who aren't going to judge you, but the ones that you can just let your guard down and say, it's hard, man. I'm struggling. Pursue healing so you can help other people find it too. The hatred of honesty, it's so real. My first year of marriage, I don't know what we were doing. We got married and then literally two weeks later, packed up all of my stuff and moved to a state where we knew zero people. We were away from all of our family, new environment, new church demographic of people. What Me and Mark are city people, all right? We live... 15 minutes away from hills and hills and hills and goats and cows and all kinds of farm animals. All right. Nothing wrong with it. It's just not, not my thing. All right. I'm looking for the city. I want to go shopping. I want to go to a coffee shop. I'm just, I'm not a country girl. I'm really not a country girl. I wish that I was maybe so I could like understand it a little bit more, but, um, yeah, it's just been a lot of change. And so our first year living here also happened to be our first year of marriage and, I have struggled with depression more this year than I ever have since I dedicated my life to Jesus. And that is so hard for me to admit. I feel like I'm in a place where I can recognize my um, triggers that maybe I get on. I was also, I was clinically diagnosed with depression when I was 16. And so I know depression and mental health is such a touchy subject still in the church, which I don't know why it is. There are still Christians who really believe that if you struggle with depression, you're just not praying enough. Oh, that I cannot tell you the way that that irks my soul because I love Jesus. I know that I love Jesus. We pray, we talk, me and we're tight, okay? Um, But I still struggle with it. And so do you know how discrediting that is to people who have dedicated their lives to God and who loved God and who want to live their lives. And for you to tell them that they're just not praying hard enough because they still struggle with mental health, it is so wacky to me. And I'm like, you guys are the reason why people don't want to be Christians because 
unfortunately, those types of Christians still do exist. And so let me be honest with you and tell you, I had struggled with depression more in my first year of marriage since I was 16, almost 10 years ago. And I had this saying that (laughs) is kind of ridiculous, but I really do keep it in the back of my head um, because it's just me. I'm a little goofy. That's just It's just who I am. But my little saying is that I always want to expose myself before anybody else can. And that's why I've been so honest. Like whenever I meet people, literally right off the bat, I will start sharing about how I used to snort cocaine. I'll share about how I smoke weed. I'll just share. I'll be so straight up. I'm like, yeah, this is this is what I did. This is who I was. But, you know, Jesus saved me and this is where I'm at now. And some people are just so utterly shocked about what had just come out of my mouth because if you look at my life today, you know, like I'm an author, I have a podcast, I, I'm married to a pastor. It's just my life does not look like where I come from. And I love that. And like I said, it makes me emotional because my previous pastor, um, <clears throat> Jensen Franklin, I had the privilege to work under him for a few years. And he preached this message once and it said, you don't look like what you've been through. And that message, he preached it a long time ago, but it stuck in my soul. And I was like, I love that. And like, isn't that it? You don't look like what you've been through because you met Jesus and he's washed you clean and he's given you a new slate and he's given you a new vision and he's maybe redeemed some dreams in you. Like you don't look like what you've been through. And isn't that it? That's why I choose to be honest. That's why I share all of the crap that I've been through, all the terrible things that I might have done, the terrible things that have been done to me. That's why I share because you don't look like what you've been through. And that's exactly it. I don't want you to look at me and see me. I want you to look at me and I want you to see what God has done in me, what God has done through me. You don't look like what you've been through. And that's exactly it. There's a story in the Bible. It was one of the first messages that I ever preached. And it's the story where the blind man, where Jesus spits in the mud and he puts it on the man's eyes and he says, wash, go wash in the pool and be clean and be healed. And so the man does. He walks all of the distance. I forgot what it is, but he walks the distance. He goes to the pool. He washes the mud out of his eyes and he's healed. And he has a vision. He has a new life because Jesus healed him. And in that story, it says that he goes back to the people he was around before. And when he gets back, when he can see again, it says that all of the people were looking at him and they were all saying, aren't you the man who was blind? And you have to understand biblical context. Back in the day, if you were blind or had anything or or had any condition or anything like that, you were classified as unclean. That was a big deal back then. You weren't welcomed. You weren't accepted. It was a big deal if you had any kind of condition. And so he gets back to the group of people and they all start asking. They're like, aren't you the man who was blind? So in other words, aren't you the man who was in sin? Aren't you the man who was in this? Aren't you the man who was dirty? Aren't you that man that wasn't accepted? Fill in the blank, all of it. And what that man says, it says in your Bible, a beautiful representation of what we get to do as believers. It could have been so easy for him to say, no, like (laughs) you got it mixed up. Like that wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about. It could have been so easy, but you know what he says? He says, yes, 
he shuts them all up and he says, yes, I was that man, but then I met Jesus and this is what he did for me. And so in the face of judgment and in the face of condemnation and in the face of accusers and in the face of people who want to make you feel bad about yourself or whatever it is, he shuts them up and he says, yes, all of this is true. I was that. So fill in the blank. I was the abuser. I was abused. I was the addict. I was this. I was that. But then I met Jesus and he washed me clean and he gave me a new slate. I don't look like what I've been through because Jesus. And you know, none of that gets seen. None of that gets told without honesty. And so is it hard to be honest? Absolutely. There's a hatred of honesty. But on the other side of it, there is such a beauty that you will never experience anywhere else. And on the flip side, I know not everyone struggles with this, but you know, maybe a lot more people do than I even realize. The hatred of being honest with your weaknesses is so real. But there's also a side which I have struggled with so much. I never had that big of a problem sharing my weaknesses because I felt like <laughs> I felt like I had too many of them. It was impossible not to share all my weaknesses, but I always have struggled with sharing the things that I'm actually good at. And that even makes me sound weird. And so there's the hatred of sharing your weaknesses. There's the hatred of being honest with what you're good at and being honest with what your gifts are. So to give you an inside look of how awkward I get when it's time for me to share about what I'm actually good at and what I do, every single time that I'm at some gathering that I've been invited to or a retreat that I've been invited to or even a podcast that I've been invited to, literally every time, I, it makes me feel so stupid afterwards, like the social anxiety of afterwards. I'm like, why did I do that? Why didn't I say that? It's really bad. I'm praying that God helps me. But every time it gets to me, you know, like they'll walk, they'll go around the room. They're like, hi, like share your name, share about what you do and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Every time it gets to me, I kid you not, I get so awkward. And it's like, because it gets my turn. Everyone's sharing. They're so confident about all these amazing things that they're doing. And I'm like cheering them on. I'm like, yes, like you go. And then it's my turn. Everyone looks at me and this is how it goes. I kid you not every time. Um, hi guys. My name is Hope. Mo Quinn. I, um, I live in Texas with my husband. He's a youth pastor. And so, you know, we help out with the youth. Um, I, I do social media, um, and, uh, content creation. And I have, um, an online ministry called the becoming better because, um, that's, that's where I'm passionate about to help women, um, become, become the best that they can be. <laughs> You guys, that's literally like all that I say. Like I I refuse. I don't know why. Something just silences silences in me when it gets my turn. I don't talk about a podcast. I don't talk about my personal book that I've published. I don't talk about the devotional that I've been a co-author on. I don't talk about all of my experience at my previous church job. I, I don't talk about my mentorship program. I don't talk about how I've traveled and I preach. I talk about None of that, because for whatever reason, it is so hard for me to talk about the things that I'm good at or the things that I've accomplished because it makes me feel weird and it shouldn't be like that, you know, but that's what I have been trying to get myself to continue to grow in um, for the past like six years is to not feel the need to shrink back 
because I don't want to step on someone else's toes. And I feel like a lot of people have dealt with that of not wanting to really explore their giftings, of not wanting to really put their foot out in what they feel they're called to do and what they're gifted to do because they don't want to make someone else feel small because they don't want to step on someone else's toes. For me, I told you this episode is all about honesty and I have never I haven't shared 80% of this ever on any of my social platforms. So I'm telling you, if you are a podcast listener, you are getting the whole inside scoop to my life. This is the most honest that I think I have ever been to myself and to all of you who are listening. When I was in counseling, me and my therapist, we believe that the root to why I get really awkward and uncomfortable sharing about the things that I've done and the things that I do, it's not new information that I've never had a close relationship with my mom. When I moved out at 18 to move to Georgia to pursue ministry, That was the tip of the iceberg in our relationship. And when I moved, my mom would text me every day almost that God was never going to bless what I was going to do because I disobeyed her in moving out. My mom would tell me at least once a month that I was never going to accomplish what I moved to do because I wasn't in the will of God. And through that time, I just was really reflecting um, everything that had gone on the two years prior to that because I got radically saved and accepted to a leadership college when I was 16, a month before I turned 17. So when I was 17, really. And when I started to pursue God, ministry opportunities came up. My first time ever speaking, I was 17. And I spoke out of Celebrate Recovery and I shared about what God had done in my life. And I remember when I got home from that, my mom had said something to me along the lines of, oh, you're doing what I always wanted to do. And after I moved out, I just kept on remembering all of these different comments of how I was living the life that she always wanted to because my mom chased the stage. She chased ministry my entire childhood. It was very much just ministry, 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 that was her whole life. And so when I moved and I started really putting aside anything in my life that was distracting me and I started giving my life to God, I ended up writing a book. I ended up getting asked to go speak places, to be on podcasts. It it was craziness to me. I never expected that that was going to be in my life. Like I was an addict who was sad and really broken and hurt. Like I never expected that was going to be in my life. It was like every time I would get an opportunity, there would be some kind of comment of, oh, like I wish that I could have done this or, you know, just stuff like that. And my therapist and I really believe that the root of me not wanting to share about what I do and even step out completely and what I feel like I'm called to do and what I feel like God has gifted me to do is because I've almost felt guilty that I was living the life that my mom always wanted to and the way that she made me feel about it. You know, your parents are supposed to be your number one fan, right? And for me in my life, whatever the reason was, it was always the opposite. It always felt like a competition. It always felt like the more that I would share my success and my wins, the more it would upset and hurt 
my mother, which is such a weird thing to navigate and such a difficult thing to work through. And so I have had a hatred of sharing what I'm good at because I don't want to make other people feel guilty or make other people feel like they're not good enough because that's not the case. You can do whatever you want to do if you put your mind to it and you trust God. Like you just have to be consistent. And even though I struggle with consistency, have you seen um, my Instagram accounts? Sometimes they're great. Sometimes I haven't posted in like a week. Consistency, it's hard, man. But if that's you and you struggle with just being honest about what you're good at, let me encourage you for a second. God has gifted you, okay? Yes, there are practical skills that people can acquire over time, that people can learn, but there are gifts that God gives you that you can't explain. Like, I, like I, I get social anxiety. For my podcast, I pause 60,000 times. You just don't hear it because I edit it out. I do not enjoy public speaking. I had a two in speech class before I dropped out of high school. But when I get up to preach the word of God, something happens. God takes over and he does it. I can't explain that. I believe it's a gift that God has given me. And so for you, there are gifts that you can't explain, that you can't necessarily teach people how to do. It's just, you know, that God has gifted you. Please, please don't shy away from it. Let God use you. Let him work in it. Let him take you to places you never dreamed of. Let him work through you to reach people that you never imagined. When you keep yourself small in hopes of not making someone else feel small, you're doing a disservice not only to you, but to other people because people need your gifts because they're special and they can reach a certain dynamic of people that maybe only you can reach. They're there for a reason. You don't need to be big-headed about it. It's not a bad thing to acknowledge what you're good in. Don't do a disservice to yourself by keeping small because you don't want to hurt someone else's feelings, okay? You keep your eyes on Jesus and let him lead you, let him guide you, and don't be afraid to operate what you know you're gifted in and what he's called you to do. People need it, okay? Okay. I feel like this is like a big sister talk, but I wish someone would have sat me down and told me that. But you know what? I probably never gave anyone the chance to because I wasn't honest about it for a very long time. And so there you go. The hatred of honesty can keep you from life-changing conversations. And I'll end with this. When you choose to just embrace who you are, when you choose to embrace the gifts in your life, when you choose to embrace the thing that you're really good at, you could very well be paving the path and opening the door for someone else to feel like they can finally embrace what they're really good at too. You never know. So the hatred of honesty, it's so real, but there is such a beauty on the other side of it. And I hope that we can look at our lives and we can choose to become better through our weaknesses, through our gifts, all for the purpose of maybe becoming what we never had or becoming the best that we can be for our future families, for the future people that we're going to meet one day. There is power and honesty and there is such a beautiful thing in being able to own the thing of, hey, I don't look like what I've been through because I met Jesus and because he changed my life. 
as always, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or anything that you want to hear talked about on the podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out to podcast at hopemoquin.com and I will see you next week. All right. Bye.